You are listening to Spitball with Adri Paul Hope Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to this week eight episode of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Bullhawk Mallows, and normal service has been resumed this week as I am joined by my co-host, Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, sir? I'm good, I'm good. I'm back, people. So uh, you guys can all come back. My beautiful voice is here. It's fine. Relax. And as you're there in person, um, thank you uh, for holding the fort for me while I was off with a little bit of the evil man flu. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) <laughs> nice and how you been Fine. since our last show together it's been good because you know what we've had our, our Wembley games and uh, I'm sure any of our English fans listening who got to go you know we got some great games unless you're a Lions fan but we had some great games and I think that the NFL is as big and as amazing as it's always been indeed well join us after this short break for our quick fire roundup of the week 8 action The Super Bowl is defined by spectacular plays, and those that have the longest staying power are often the longest runs. From time to time, for some teams, lightning strikes twice. He's gone! He's gone! Touchdown! He'll hand off to Smith. time passes, those plays and players grow in stature. Throughout Super Bowl history, familiar faces have risen to the moment. Even if it means rising and running in the opposite direction. Now, with another super stage on the verge of being set, who will join them in a run for immortality? We start this week's quickfire roundup with the Thursday night football and the AFC clash between the undefeated Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. They're just beginning to find their form at this stage in the season thanks to their interim head coach. This game started with the usual Brady finding Gronkowski for a big touchdown reception and it was quickly followed up by a snap flying past the head of Ryan Tannehill resulting in a safety. Flashback to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, Peyton Manning, what was that all about? This one quickly became a night to forget for the Dolphins as they lost star defensive lineman Cameron Wake to a suspected Achilles injury and ultimately the Patriots were just too strong and went on to win 36-7. New York Giants at New Orleans and it was like a basketball score in this one as Eli Manning and Drew Brees combined for over 800 yards of offense and 13 touchdowns between them. And New Orleans managed to scrape together a field goal as time expired to win this score fest 52-49. On to International Series Game 14 now as Kansas played host to the Detroit Lions here at Wembley Stadium. Detroit had a nice first drive which resulted in three points, but from then on, unfortunately for the Lions fans, this game was dominated by the feet and arm of Alex Smith along with that Kansas defense who were relentless in their pursuit of Matthew Stafford. They sacked him six times en route to a monster victory. Kansas 45, Detroit 10. Cincinnati at Pittsburgh now, and Big Ben's returns for Pittsburgh wasn't enough as Le- Le'Veon Bell looks like he's gone for the year with a very ugly injury. 
Uh, interceptions by Dalton and Ben in the fourth quarter kept us guessing who was going to win this one. But since he managed to come good as Andy Dalton to AJ Green late in the fourth quarter and a, a field goal managed to secure the win for them, 16 points to 10. On to San Diego versus Baltimore now, and this game started as you would expect it to, with Philip Rivers and Joe Flacco making plays. But for me, this game was overshadowed also by two injuries. Keenan Allen injured his shoulder during his great touchdown reception and wouldn't return in the game. And Steve Smith Sr. looks like he's torn his Achilles. It's done for the season, of course. With his announcement earlier in the year, it also means that his career is now over if he's true to his word. So with that, I'm sure Marcus will agree with me in saying God bless Steve Smith. Smith. Thank you for all the great plays you've given us during your time in the league. Baltimore won this one 29 to 26. San Francisco now at St. Louis and Todd Gurley showed again why the Rams drafted him so high with a star performance. The 49ers offense looked lackluster and struggled to keep into the game. It was a comfortable win for the Rams at the end. They win 27 to 6. Arizona versus Cleveland now and Cleveland got out to an early 20 to 10 lead thanks to touchdowns from Brian Hartline and Gary Barnage. But the second half was all about Carson Palmer and those speedy Cardinals receivers. Cleveland couldn't find a way to score again in the second half and Arizona just took over, finishing the game with a 34-20 win. New York Jets now in Oakland and the Raiders beat up on a very good Jets defense with an offensive masterclass. Derek Carr looks like he's paying good on his stock dividends, where Ryan Fitzpatrick tore some thumb ligaments meant Geno Smith came into the game. He couldn't help against the Raiders onslaught, however, and they went out winners 34-20. NFC North now as the Bears hosted the Vikings at Soldier Field. This game was your typical NFC North showdown. It was physical, it had turnovers, it had big special teams plays, including a return touchdown for the Vikings. In the end, it came down to who could make plays with the game on the line, and unfortunately for the Bears, it wasn't Langford who'd come in for the injured Matt Forte. Teddy Bridgewater did what he needed to in the end and got the Vikings a 23-20 win. Seattle at Dallas now and much anticipation as Des Bright came back in this game but Richard Sherman soon shut him down. A nasty looking injury for Ricardo Lockett suffered but luckily it looks like it's just a sense of concussion and he'll be back playing soon. A close game came down to the wires. The fourth quarter drive for field goal gave Seahawks the lead. Dallas couldn't muster their own returns. So they end up losing this one 13 points to 12. Just quickly want to touch on that Lockett injury because I actually read today that he's going to have neck surgery. They reckon he's down damaged some ligaments in his neck so not just a concussion but quite a major injury there as well so he may or may not be back as we're about the halfway point in the season but again someone we we wish well because it was a nasty blindside hit and that is exactly why the nfl are trying to stamp that out this year Titans versus Texans now and the Titans were without injured Marcus Mariota for the second straight game. Even with that loss of quarterback, I was still hoping they'd make a game of it, but true to the AFC South this year, the game was all about who played the worst and got the loss rather than the other team doing something special. This week, it was the Texans' turn to play with less mistakes and they got the much-needed W with a 20-6 victory. Green Bay at Denver now in the battle of the undefeateds in Mile High as Green Bay came into town. Aaron Rodgers, however, was completely shut down by that Broncos defense and held to under 100 yards. This allowed Manning to do what he does best and just cruise his way into victory. 29 points to 10. Sorry, what was that about someone saying that Denver would beat Green Bay last week? Uh, I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. <laughs> Either that or you didn't listen to the podcast and you've just been showed up. Anyways... <laughs> 
On now to the divisional matchup between Atlanta and Tampa Bay. This game was dominated early by the Bucks defense and in particular their rookie linebacker Quan Alexander who managed to chase down Julio Jones after a catch and strip the ball straight from his hands. Quite a phenomenal play. I will put it in the show notes so you can see it for yourselves. Also later in the half Alexander had an interception. The Falcons however came back in the second half and managed to get the game tying touchdown with just seconds left in the fourth quarter. Game went into overtime. Bucks got a field goal with their opening possession. Could the Falcons win it? No, is the simple answer. They just couldn't get it done, and Bucks came away with the win 23 to 20. Another overtime game now as Indianapolis came into Carolina for a Monday night matchup, and the Panthers gave Indy a rough night in some rough conditions as rain gave both teams some problems to think about. Now, Andrew Luck has some problems of his own as he was making them for himself. Far too many turnovers and interceptions. However, a fourth quarter 17-point comeback set us up into overtime where another Andrew Luck interception set up Carolina to win this with a field goal. 29-26. And Andrew Luck is somehow finding a way like Peter Manning to ruin my fantasy football this year. Thank you, Andy Luck. Please sort yourself out. Coming up after the break, we will have our weekly musings and our weekly thoughts. We come on now to our weekly musings and our weekly thoughts. Hopefully it'll be a bit longer now I've got my co-host Marcus back with me. And the first thing I want to talk about this week, Marcus, is the Twickenham announcement we've had this week. And that is that there's going to be more games played in the UK at the home of English rugby, Twickenham Stadium. It was announced that from 2016, Twickenham will play host to one regular season game per year for the next three years. With the deal with the new Tottenham Stadium as well, that means that in 2018, the UK will see at least five regular season games. What do you think of that, Marcus? I mean, I'm not sure how they're going to do it. Because, I mean, I think the Yanks might get a bit antsy about the the dropping of, of so many games. You know, I can understand if I was a home fan back in the States, I want to see my team, you know, especially if I'm a season team holder. I can definitely see Twickenham being a great venue. I think it's an amazing idea. The only reason they haven't had Twickenham already is just because of the profile. But I think thanks to this Rugby World Cup, it's kind of put Twickenham on the map for the, for the American audience. I'm just glad that we're going to see at least five regular season games. So that'll be at least two at Wembley, at least two at Tottenham, and then the one at Twickenham as well in 2018. So, it, we'll see if they still have three at Wembley because then, of course, that will be six games and, and potentially more. So really looking forward to what's going to happen there. Next up, I want to talk about the big trade that's happened this week with San Francisco and Denver, and that is Vernon Davis, the star tight end, has been traded for two sixth-round picks. Obviously, one next year and one the year after. Um, thoughts, Marcus? Someone call the cops because that is a steal. Damn, are you kidding me? I mean, that is just, if you're of your Broncos, it's like Christmas come earlier. If you're the 49ers, it's more like, what the f- yeah, 100%. And you look at the deal that the Broncos have got because Julius Thomas was after all that money in the offseason. 
he gone. <laughs> he gone got his money. And now they bring in someone like Vernon Davis, who, despite how good Julius Thomas is, Vernon Davis is a step up. Yeah, I mean, he's going to deliver that extra that extra threat down the field. Sounds weird. Maybe that's what they've been missing. Yeah, because it has been that three-pronged attack, hasn't it, with Sanders, Thomas, and uh, Thomas, <laughs> actually, has happened. So, um, yeah, they've definitely been missing that extra threat because teams have been finding ways to sort of shut down the outside receivers and then not leaving much in the way of receivers over the middle. So be interesting to see what happens there. What have you got for me, Marcus? Well, my, my big news is... Yes, another coach is gone in the merry coaching carousel. Coach Wisenhunt has been the next one announced to say bye-bye to. And it's Mike Malarkey, is it? Mike Malarkey, he coached the Bills at one point. So he's now taking in as interim head coach of the Titans. But you can't blame them when Wisenhunt's record was 3-20. and 20. Wowzers, that's not good. It's obviously not been helped with the fact that Mariota's been out for the last couple of games. But even still, that would only make his record, what, 5-18. and 18. So, yep, it's time for that change. And they're hoping for the spark like the Dolphins got, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you, you saw it from the Dolphins. It works. Some people are saying, you know, it's killer to sort of change coach mid-season. But, yeah, they need something. If you're a Tennessee Titan fan, you don't have much to, like, cheer about the last couple of years maybe you guys just need a big sort of shake up you know you've got Marcus Mariota a guy you can build a future in you know you've got uh, you've got a uh, aggressive young defense there's some great defensive players on that team go out there start again see if you can make something of it yeah 100% and I just want to come back to the 49ers now because there's been some other news this week and that is that Colin Kaepernick has been benched for the next game in favor of Blaine Gabba and again I just want to get your thoughts on that Marcus I, I, you know what? I am just as all I can say is my condolences to all the um, 49er fans out there. You have uh, my deepest, sincerest regrets, and oh my god, I'm glad I'm a Rams fan. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay. <laughs> I remember saying earlier in the season, I can't remember if it was on the blog or the the podcast, that the 49ers seem to be in a race for the first draft pick next year, and. By benching Colin Kaepernick, they certainly are trying to do that. I think there's actually, if I remember, there's some decent college quarterbacks going to pop out this year um, from the draft. So you know what? There might be a, a guy in there to rebuild a franchise around. If I'm perfectly honest, as a Rams fan, apart from Todd Gurley had some great runs that really gave us life and that table in Austin one, we did not generate much offense beyond that. And to be fair, if it wasn't for the, the defense really shutting down Kaepernick, uh, if there was an offense that could have generated something, we would have been in trouble. But that's really where it's coming into is the fact that, you know, the, the 49ers have got a, a history of doing well. And I think that's why it's slightly quicker to bench him than maybe someone else might get a little bit more time. Ergo, why a Matt Stafford is still playing compared to the fact that he should be on the bench. So you're going to say that what's happening with the Lions is down to Matt Stafford rather than any other factors? Because remember, they've got a new offensive coordinator in there now who only came in the week of that, this game this week at the International Series. Fair enough, but not only that. you I mean, I don't know what you saw, but there's some passes where he's literally just thrown it into Ghost Town. There was no one there. He's literally just thrown it. And i got to think sometimes... It's clearly someone's supposed to go left, the other person's supposed to go right. Um, he had Megatron wide open at one point. Literally, it was six points, throws 10 yards over his head. 
Yeah, I mean that is fair. He did he did miss some throws this week. There's there's no getting away from that. And when you really see the highlights and things like that, you'll obviously see that the passes he missed. But part of me thinks it's a little bit harsh to put it all on his shoulders. But then at the same time, I guess you get paid the mega bucks as a quarterback to be that difference maker. I wouldn't want to play quarterback because it's yeah high pressure. I wouldn't be surprised if they did go out and get the number one draft pick was a quarterback this year. Fair enough. Well, we'll leave the quarterback talk there for a moment. But do you have anything else you want to talk about this week, Marcus? The last thing I want to talk about is it is cut time. And there's a few people that we've noticed that have been cut over the last week. Starting at right at the beginning of last week, as it were, coming into this one, where Jared Hayne went, the, the Aussie import. And he's been cut now by the 49ers, more trades by the 49ers. But also just recently announced that due to his breach of conduct, the NFL, Joseph Randall, has been fired by the Dallas Cowboys. I know there's a few teams that, especially with injuries, uh, could really do with a, a running back of his caliber. I'm just thinking where you think, if he promises to behave himself, etc., where you think he might end up. And um, Well, that's a tricky one because, to be honest, I hadn't really heard much of him before he went to Dallas. And then all you have to do is put a half-decent running back behind that offensive line in Dallas, and they're going to do really well. So I don't know that there is anywhere else that would necessarily need him because I look at the teams around the league and I mean, the Titans have got Sanky, who's a really good young promising running back. The Jags have got TJ Yeldon, who they really need to use more. The Lions, I said this last week, Theo Riddick, he really needs to get more playing time for me because Theo Riddick can get things done. He is a difference maker, a playmaker. Joyke Bell can be your bulldozer on your short yarder situations, but if you want someone that can just tear a defence apart, I go with Theo Riddick any day of the week. So, I don't know, now they've let him go with his discipline problems, I don't know that he will get picked up. How about this though, okay? Le'Veon Bell is gone, really nasty injury if you saw it, your knee is not supposed to go at a right angle like I that. I did see and D'Angelo. I nearly cried. Ooh, yeah, 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 I flinched. Um, D'Angelo Williams, who did great in the first couple of games when Le'Veon was suspended, but how about someone competent to back him up or be that sort of second guy to come in when, you know, you need to take him out, give him a breather and stuff. I think it's potential there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to argue. And I just want to finish off with one final question because I see we're getting on a bit for time. Can the Carolina Panthers go all the way to the Super Bowl this year, bearing in mind they've already beaten Seattle in Seattle? Carolina have at this point won the same amount of games they won all last year. And they won the division with that many games last year as well. To be fair, Falcons have flustered the last couple of weeks, which have let them get away. Because at the moment, it was like looking like a great punch sort of slugfest between those two. But I think Carolina's just getting away with it. However, you know, they have been tested and they've had to have, like Monday night, really nasty conditions. That Carolina storm came in, really greasy balls. So there's a lot of mistakes. But I mean, the defense looks great. Uh, Luke Keekley's back. Josh Norman is fantastic. I'll tell you what, he's becoming a prolific corner. Prolific. Yeah, 100% agree there. I think most people do as well. He's getting a lot of attention on all of the NFL Network programs as well. I think Cam can run that offense. I like them. And you know what? This is this is where I'm seeing it. If you sort of split up the divisions, right? The West, um, you know, I can see them beating whoever comes out top of the West, whether it's, like I said, they beat the Seahawks already because the West is kind of like last year's South, you know, who's going to win it? Because you've got Seahawks 4-4, four and four, Rams 4-3. Four and three. I think the Cardinals 5-2. and two, So anyone can win that. I see Cam and the Carolinas beating all of them. I don't know who's going to win the, the East. Because again, same sort of thing. All, lots of teams on about 4-4. Four and four. The only real threat is, this is going to be the big one, Green Bay coming to town this week. 
could this be a preemptive curse at our NFC Championship game? Uh, yeah, it could potentially be the NFC Championship game could come the end of the year if both teams keep up their current form. But then you look at what the Denver defence did to uh, that Green Bay offence, Panthers defence could very well do the same thing. We will see. But we're going to leave that there for now. And when we come back, we're going to have our weekly impact. Players! And our... Oh, y'all want the play? Okay, here we go. We've got gun, Hulk left slot. Dixie left, key left. Mercedes, wide chip, Ricky. Zebra left, 75, Katie. Omaha, quick go. We come on now to our weekly impact. Players! And our... So, Marcus, would you like to do the honours with the impact? Player! My impact player this week is... Quan Alexander, linebacker for Tampa Bay, and the reason it touched my heart was this guy played probably one of the best games I've seen under some really nasty conditions where earlier this week, his 17-year-old brother, unfortunately, was caught up in an incident and was shot and killed. I think it was within 48 hours, he was in Atlanta playing a game that the guy played like a man possessed and he was just everywhere on that field. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's never the best situation at all, regardless of whether you're a professional footballer or not. So to then go out and play, because I think it happened on the Saturday and he was playing on the Sunday and that's just um, unbelievable credit to him as a man and, and as a teammate for for doing that for his team and, and playing so well as well. Um, yeah, I think that's a yeah. a very good choice, Marcus. Yeah, I totally agree yeah, with I mean, that one. When I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I read the article and Lovey Smith even said to me, he's like, mate, you don't have to play. If you want to be on a plane back home, we'll put you on a plane back this afternoon. I, I, I'm almost lost for words because to do something like that is just incredible. Yeah, but I mean, as well, he's quite a young man himself. He's a rookie, so he's only 21, no, 20? 21 himself. So, you know, it's not like that we're talking about a man of, sort of like more mature years, a sort of late veteran who's sort of like 30 years old. No, we're talking, the guy himself is, He's a young guy, you know, 21, and the emotion, um, stepping up, and yeah, there is a video up there of him receiving the game ball in floods of tears, and um, you'll be hard-pressed not to be moved to tears yourself. Um, and with that said, I'm going to come on to my impact. Player. And this week, you, I think we've both done well, because it would be so easy to pick Drew Brees, Eli Manning, Odell Beckham Jr., anyone that was involved in that shootout in the Saints-Giants game. But this week, I've gone with someone who, for me, completely dominated the game and showed this week why he was drafted number one overall back in 2005. Marcus, any ideas as to who this player may be? Number one, 2005. Test me now. Pass. Alex yeah. Smith, quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, of course, yes. Yep, drafted yeah, be- first overall, and this week for me showed why he was rated so highly all the way back then. Um, only 145 passing yards, but two touchdowns. Didn't look like giving the ball away at all. He had 78 rushing yards and one touchdown. Um, controlled the game, like I said, whenever there was nothing on. He was smart with his decisions, either threw it away or, you know, held the ball if he was going to get sacked. Um, ran when he needed to and had a big 49-yard run in the first half. So, for me, that is why he was my impact. Player. Going to come on now to our... And again, Marcus, I come to you first. Oh, champion. Now, of course, I've spoke about it already, uh, the Green Bay Carolina game, and I am looking forward to that and stuff like that. But I think I look at a different swing this week, and that is Philadelphia at 
Dallas. Now you've got you've got a three and four Philly. You've got a two and five Dallas. You know the division. I think is being propped up at the moment with New York at four and four. You know what? These two teams aren't technically out of it, kind of like the NFC South last year. So you know what? I'm liking this one. I think Philly's got a chance. Uh, Dallas is still weakened in a weakened state. Perfect time to go into Texas and come home with a win. I like a nice big victory here, something like a 70-30 a point swing to Philadelphia Eagles. Two scores over the, the Dallas uh, Cowboys here. Um, that is my And well, I'm going to do something a bit different for mine this week because I've got a close one and one with a big margin. So I'm going to say Marcus... Which of those do you want to hear? I want to hear the big one. You want to hear the big one or you want to see the big one? Ah, there, ah, there it is. There it is. He's got a nickname for a reason. Ooh, hey. So my big margin, I've gone with the Jaguars over the Jets. 65 to 35 by 10 points or more and i am gonna tell you why gino smith will probably play again in place of an injured ryan fitzpatrick and we know how bad gino smith is i mean i know he's been their so-called franchise quarterback and and only didn't start this year because of what happened pre-season but them having Ryan Fitzpatrick at the start of the year is what helped them get to five and two. There's no doubt about it. Fitzpatrick built up a great chemistry with Decker and with Brandon Marshall. And when you bring Geno Smith into that equation, it's just not the same. I mean, there's a reason why Buffalo paid Fitzpatrick all that big money a few few years ago, because actually he does get it done when he's in the right system and he's got the right players around him. So that's why I think the Jaguars are going to keep that momentum rolling from the Bills win, even after their bye week. And yeah, win by 10 points or more. I, you know what? Actually, I do like that because um, we were both at the Wembley game, weren't we? That Jaguars defence, that's, that's got some real promise to it. Really aggressive defence. And I think, yeah, that's probably the best way to play the, the New York Jets at the moment is get in Geno Smith's face. Stop Chris Ivory. And you could end up winning this, yeah. You say 10 points, yeah. I think if you get like a 20 to 10, yeah, definitely. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Well, that wraps it up from us for another week. Firstly, I would like to thank our producer, Mark Taylor from Spamhead Productions. My amazing co host, Marcus. It's great to have you back, sir. It's been amazing to come back. It does feel a bit weird if you don't actually, on a Tuesday night, sit down and like spit some ball. Indeed. <laughs> Anyways, remember, if you want to get in touch with us. Hey, guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us at ballhawksnest, at Audrey Mallows, and... Uh, at Marcus underscore innuendo. And we are downloadable on iTunes and our more recent shows are rebroadcast on the Awake Radio Network. Until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by. Bye.